Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. What is going on, everyone? And welcome back to the channel. I hope you're all doing well. Now, today I've got for you some classic revenge stories, starting with a nuclear revenge tale, a subreddit that I haven't covered in a long time, but this one is phenomenal. It actually spans generations. We've also got an update from a pro-revenge story from two years ago, over two years ago. That is an absolute classic before finishing with some petty revenge. If you haven't already done so, drop a like on this one, subscribe and follow if you aren't already. And here we go. This is some nuclear revenge. What happens when neighborhood punks decide to beat up veteran's son? This is actually a story my dad told me about one of his childhood friends, George, who recently passed away. Dad and George grew up in a booming city in what's now known as the Rust Belt. You were pretty much guaranteed a job at the major car plant in town. You were pretty much guaranteed a job at the plant in town as soon as you got out of high school. George was one of those people. Dad wasn't. Dad accepted a scholarship to his dream school to study engineering. During the weekends and holidays, he'd come home and hang out with his buddies, including George. One afternoon, Dad gets a phone call from Grandma. George had been jumped after work and had the metaphorical tar beaten out of him. For a while, it looked like he wasn't going to make it, but by some miracle, George pulled through. However, he was in such bad shape that he had to retire early and go on disability. While on one of his visits home, George's dad, Walter, pulls dad aside and asks him if he knows a guy named Flynn. Dad had heard that name and he was one of the local troublemakers. Dad asked Walter why and Walter revealed that there had been a wallet found by George's body, which was given to him. The paramedics thought the wallet was George's. No, I have no idea why they didn't check it. Unfortunately, the city was going through financial difficulties thanks to corruption and mismanagement to the point that they didn't have enough money to pay their police officers during the weekends. No, I'm not kidding. From 8 p.m. Friday night to 6 a.m. Monday morning, there wasn't a single police officer on duty. Goodness me. Since the assault took place on Friday night, there wasn't much anyone could do. Dad asked Walter what he was going to do about it. Walter looked at him with a stern face and said... I take care of my own. Walter was an army vet who had served during World War II and Korea. He never spoke about his time, claiming he was a radio technician and never left the base. He never breathed a word to anyone, even George's mother, his wife. The full story never came out until after George's death, when a letter Walter had written before his death was found in George's possessions. After realizing that Flynn was one of the people who had destroyed George's life, Walter got in touch with his friends. He was a personable guy. You know the type, the kind who makes friends in five minutes. They all agreed that something had to be done. And thus, Operation George's Revenge was born. Walter and his friends began observation of Flynn and would keep tabs on him. It took several weeks, but eventually Flynn and his buddies, Mac and Zeno, were overheard bragging about the attack. Knowing who to attack, they moved to the next steps. 
Walter's friends, some of whom worked in high places, decided to make some phone calls to their friends in the plant where all three worked. See, these friends were union. State was a closed shop at the time. And disgusted about what happened to George, they decided to make things difficult for them. They'd remove vital tools for emergency maintenance at the last minute, put them in positions they weren't good in, and rearrange the schedule so they got the worst shifts, to name just a few. They also began a whispering campaign so everyone at the plant knew what had happened. In this city back then, who you knew and what everyone thought you've done was enough to make or break you. The goal was to get them to quit. And after a year or so, all three had, frustrated with how they were being treated. But Walter and his friends aren't done. Not by a long shot. A few phone calls and anonymous letters later, Flynn Mackenzino were unemployable in the district. Because they hadn't been fired, they weren't entitled to severance or anything. Soon, their money ran out, but they couldn't get out of town because everyone knew from the whispering campaign what they'd done to George. For the rest of their lives, Walter and his friends kept an eye on Flynn Mackenzino. Just when it appeared that they had an out, the whisper slash letter campaign would start again and they'd be denied an out. The three men ended up homeless and destitute alcoholics who couldn't even get state aid. And this in a state that is known for its generous aid for those in bad straits. Walter and his friends made a contingency plan to continue this until the three men were dead using the next generation. So those men would never forget what they did to George. Nobody was able to find out anything about Flynn, Mac and Zeno, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're still stuck and miserable. Wow, there we go. What a start to the episode. The best revenge, in my opinion, is revenge that just ruins someone's lives. I say that in a semi-sarcastic way, but ultimately, when it comes down to something like this, in which somebody out there has ruined someone's lives, do they not deserve it back on them? A little bit? I think they might. Before reading this, I thought this was going to be a one-off sort of friendly visit vibe where, you know, they go and just completely F him up. But no, this was so much better. I mean, Flynn Mackenzie, it sounds hot. I mean, is it too far, personally? I don't think so. Let me know in the comments down below your thoughts. But uh, yeah, very, very justified revenge that lasted a lifetime and hey, still might be continuing. Phenomenal. Now, our next revenge story comes from art slash pro revenge and it does need a little bit of explaining. Over two years ago now, I read out a story titled, Hell hath no fury like me scorned. It's one of the best posts that I've read from r slash pro revenge. If you guys don't remember it, don't worry. There is a little recap coming at the start of this update, but I'm going to leave a link to the original story. Well, me narrating it down below in the description. So if you do want to check that out first or you you start listening to this and you're not entirely sure what's going on and you want to hear that, click it. It will explain everything. But for now, let's get in to part two of this one. As I said, over two years later. Okay, so here we go. Hello, r slash pro revenge. A couple of years ago, I posted a revenge story involving my stepmother, Shanty Wife, my stepbrother, Shorty, and my dad, who is now resting in a purple urn. In case you missed it, you can read it here. Again, link down below if you want to hear me narrate it. Well, OP finally has an update. To recap, Shorty, my stepbrother, was my dad's power of attorney while he was sick and had heinously abused his position, stealing a very large sum of money. When I got involved, I got a restraining order against Shorty, filed charges, took over my dad's care, and exacted some sweet revenge in the process. I was warned by the court's victim's advocate, who is my first cousin, because that's how it is in that town, 
that bringing Shorty to trial for what he did would take a very long time. She was correct. In the meantime, I monitored Shorty's online activities. When he moved out of state, I called the court and let them know just in case it violated his bail. When he got a job as a truck driver, I called the court to let them know he was repeatedly leaving his home state just in case it violated his bail. Then, six months ago, I got a call from the same victim's advocate. The trial was going to be set soon, and the court wanted family input regarding possible plea deals and sentencing. He was indicted on felony elder abuse and was facing 15 years in prison. The advocate let me know that the family could request prison time or plea him down to work release with restitution. The upside to prison was obvious, but the downside would be that we would not likely receive restitution since he'd be perpetually poor and in prison. With work release, we would receive restitution, but he would have his freedom, somewhat. She wanted to know which we preferred. I asked for the night to think it over. Shorty's future rested in my hands and I wanted to savor it. What kind of God did I want to be? To decide, I needed to do some maths. If he went to prison for 15 years, he'd be out in half or less. Now, seven years is a long time, but restitution would surely take as long, if not longer. And I would get the pleasure of taking his money every month for years and years and years. I like the thought of him working every day, toiling away in terrible conditions for terrible pay, and him knowing that a portion of that terrible day would be for nothing. I loved the thought that I would be the reason for it. So I called her back and told her we would be okay with a plea deal to felony supervised release and restitution. I didn't hear anything further until last week when the advocate called me again to let me know he'd accepted a deal. The deal. He pled guilty to felony elder exploitation, first degree. He received 15 years, split and suspended, which means he won't serve any jail time. Two years will be on felony work supervision where he'll have to call into his parole officer every day and be drug tested almost as frequently. After that, he'll be on regular probation for up to five years. The judge will schedule check-ins with him to ensure he's paying restitution and meeting the requirements of his work release and parole. So what is the restitution? Well, he has to pay back $130,539.39. He was ordered to pay $300 a month beginning 1st of the 1st, 2024. My math gamble paid off. It will take him 36 years to pay that back at $300 a month. If he misses a payment, he will go to jail. I will be in his life for decades, taking back from him bit by bit what he stole. That's unbelievable. So I think that's going to be it. I've done everything I can do, apart from being there to catch him if he violates the terms of his release. Thank you for reading this tangled web of revenge. I hope it warms your heart for the holidays. Well, that right there, guys, is genuinely a Christmas miracle. I mean, not just the fact that it's a phenomenal story, but that update is just so good. I mean, how many times, right, have have people said, written at the bottom of their post on reddit i'll update you guys if i get any further news or if things happen etc etc and obviously they must right at some point i mean things must happen in continuations of stories where things have been said are gonna you know they're waiting for this or this is gonna happen in the future whatever but it's so rare that we actually get an update first of all and then when you do get an update a lot of the time it's uh you know it didn't work out the way i wanted or it didn't actually happen or kind of fizzled out into nothing this is unbelievable though i mean yeah the the initial post was great and again if you haven't already seen that link down below 
But this, I mean, what an update. He's paying this back for 36 years. 36 years. Phenomenal. With every single payment, you, OP, are going to be in his mind. I mean, that is just phenomenal justice. Yeah, he avoids prison, but as you said throughout this, you think it's probably better, or I guess more taxing on him, to, to go through it this way. And yeah, good gamble. It paid off. If he went to prison for seven years, that is one thing. Terrible. But this is 36 years of, of pain. Just unbelievable. Right, good news is we do have time for one more story in this episode. This one actually comes from Petty Revenge. So we've gone from nuclear to pro to petty. Comment down below. Which subreddit do you prefer the most? Let's get in to this story. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Use my email as your spam dump. Prepare to be carpet bombed. One day, many years ago, I got an email addressed to someone who had the same first initial and last name as I do. For the purpose of this story, I'll call him G-Man. As with anyone who uses a common email address, think first initial and last name, you do sometimes get an email that isn't meant for you. It was mostly incidental things like receipts and the occasional personal email. I was chalking them up to being a data entry error. Perhaps they misheard the email address and instead of typing in gclastname at gmail.com, they typed in glastname at gmail.com. No big deal. In the cases where I could, I politely replied to the sender and let them know that I wasn't the intended recipient and to please let G-Man know that he's giving out the wrong email address going forward. It was never successful. I'd still get emails for G-Man and it was for things that I think you'd want to receive, like order receipts or something that had a confirmation number attached to it. I tried to track down G-Man, but to no avail. There were multiple G-Man, last name, on social media, so I could never 100% confirm which one it might have been. And so this went on and on for years, until finally one day I got a personal email addressed to G-Man that referenced the company he worked for. Aha, now I had something. I looked him up. It turns out that G-Man is the systems manager at said company. His LinkedIn bio says that he is an IT professional. Well, that's interesting. I found his company email and forwarded him the email, also advising him that the other address he's using is attached to another person, and it would be great if he could be more mindful of what he's typing in or giving out. Again, I was polite in my request to him. He replied and apologized. And I thought, it's finally over. But it wasn't over. Oh no, far from it. The emails I received that were addressed to G-Man actually began to increase in volume. Now I'm getting emails for mailing lists and account signups and all sorts of other rubbish. This guy, the so-called IT professional, is clearly using my email address as his spam dump knowing that it went to an actual person. I would have to sort through dozens upon dozens upon dozens of emails daily as a result of this. And as we all know, once you're on one mailing list, you tend to end up on a lot more mailing lists. By now, I've decided that clearly this clown is deliberately being a jerk. So it's gloves off and game on. I decide to extract revenge at any opportunity. It started out simple enough. 
If I got an account sign up, I'd click the link to verify it and then promptly log in and deactivate the account. It worked for a bit, but then there'd be another sign up. So I got more creative. I'd log into the account, change all the information and most importantly, the password, usually to something like I am a gigantic butthole, which would leave the account active, but totally inaccessible since any attempt at password recovery sent the email to my account, which was then promptly ignored and deleted. Hotel booking? I'd log on and cancel it the day before he was due to arrive. I'm guessing he never got noticed though, since it was all coming to my email. Basically anything I could do that would inconvenience G-Man, I would do it. This back and forth continued on for years. In fact, I still occasionally get emails for the guy. Then one day it happened. I got an email receipt for an order that G-Man had placed. It had the recipient's name and address, but more importantly, it had G-Man's address on it. Queue up, I've got a golden ticket. I finally had the means of the ultimate revenge. I took his address and signed him up for everything I could find. Free samples, i.e. adult diapers, feminine products and lube, catalogs, normal, not so normal, and then also raunchy. I spent an entire day finding anything I could enter his address into and I dutifully filled it out. But the coup de grace, the cherry on top. When I was finding things to sign up for, I stumbled onto a website that allowed you to order free flooring samples. They'd be various sizes, but some were 12 foot by 12 foot squares. Carpet, tile, wood, linoleum, whatever. I signed G-Man up for every sample I could. Then I found another site offering the same thing and I did it again and again and again until the point where I literally lost track of how many free flooring samples I signed him up for. My guess, easily in the hundreds, if not the thousands. So I literally carpet bombed G-Man. Oh, it all makes sense now. Coincidentally, the email volume certainly decreased. I never heard from G-Man either. Maybe he deleted my initial email and forgot, or maybe he was buried under all those flooring samples. Either way, I'm sure once they started to arrive, he realized his mistake. I bet that to this day, he still gets items delivered to that address. The one thing I can't get over with this story, and it's phenomenal by the way, once again, these three revenges have been so good. But how stupid do you have to be to actually use someone else's email or some like spam email anyway for things that actually matter? I mean, if you're getting confirmations and you're getting emails sent to you, and going through that email address and, and you know the link that you get sent to your email can cancel a really important thing like a hotel booking or you're getting confirmation statements and receipts and that sort of stuff that you, that you need to keep a hold of. Why are you having that sent to an email that you don't have access to? That's what I don't understand. That is the dumbest part of all of this. Now, that is one thing. The revenge though is just phenomenal. And Opie, I'm sorry you were caught up in this, but wow, what a way to just destroy someone's life. Imagine you come back from work and oh, you're like... God, more dials as you just see your front door piled with stuff. It'd be terrible. I feel like any normal person would have very quickly realized, I mean, definitely when you got this email from OP that was saying, by the way, you're using the wrong email address, please stop. To stop doing that and actually start using an email address that you'd want to use. But G-Man is G-Man. And that was some petty revenge. Anyway, guys, hope you enjoyed this one. That is going to do it for this episode. Comment down below. Which one of those three stories did you like the most? Obviously, all very, very different. One, I was actually delighted with. When I saw the fact that we had an update from that story, which is one of the most popular stories posted on r slash pro revenge of all time, I was ecstatic. 
it's a classic story and we have an update there we go what do you think about it but yeah let me know down below and i'll see you all tomorrow with some more reddit content why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.